And I have the great privilege this afternoon to speak to someone with great importance, and that is regarding the upcoming election. Craig Bailey, and he holds a master's degree in international studies from Rhodes University. Craig, good afternoon to you and welcome. It's a pleasure and a privilege to have you on air this afternoon. Good afternoon, Yuan, and good afternoon to the listeners. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, and uh, you are so welcome right here at Radio Pulpit and Cape Pulpit this afternoon. Now, Craig, Africa's election here, 2024, not only in South Africa, but uh, around the the country, and not even in Africa alone. You know, I'm thinking of uh, many other countries, say, for instance, the whole situation in the United States of America, where Mm. most probably we're having uh, the former president, Donald Trump, challenging uh, the incumbent Joe Biden at the moment. And uh, you have 20 principles and truths for Christian political engagement. And I would so much love you uh, to share those principles with us this afternoon, sir. It would be my pleasure, Yuan. Um, Would you like to work through them one by one or how how should we do it? (laughs) Yes, please. Let's work through them one by one. We have uh, 17 minutes to do that and that will be wonderful. And I don't, want to, yeah, I don't want to interrupt you with uh, a lot of questions because it's so important, these principles and yes. truths for Christian political engagement. Over to you, sir. Well, thank you again for the opportunity, Yuan. Um, uh, maybe it, it's good to, to first say that, you know, it's, it, there are probably many more principles and truths that one could come up with. Um, yes. comes to not just encouraging Christian political engagement, but also, um, I guess, promoting a very particular kind of political engagement. Um, so when we talk about Christian political engagement, we can also, what we're essentially referring to here is scripturally based or biblically founded political engagement. Um, and, and just thinking about the the truths and principles that I happen to list in, in this particular article, um, probably the most important one, and I think uh, it isn't principle number one. Principle number one, I, I talk about the fact that politics is inescapable, but we'll get back to that. Um, I think a good start is to recognize that when we engage in any aspect of society, um, in any dimension of the world that we're living on, it's important that we honor God in that engagement. And I think if we can keep mm. that truth, uh, that need, that directive um, at the forefront of our, our thinking, then um, we'll do well to honor God in the manner in which we engage the political space, including how we vote as South Africans. Um, and that goes for any Christian globally who might have the opportunity to vote in an election in, in this year. Um, engaging politics, how we vote, these are opportunities to honor God first and foremost. And I, I think if we get that right, not I think, I know that if we get this right, then we also will honor our neighbors, whether they are Christians or non-Christians, um, irrespective of their faith, whether they're non-believers, um, honor God and you will honor everyone else. Amen. But maybe then, Maybe then to move to principle one, I, I mentioned briefly um, 
you know, the fact that politics is inescapable. Um, I, I believe we're created not only as physical and spiritual beings, but also as political beings. And um, it might be a controversial thing to say. Um, some listeners might think of it as a controversial thing to say. But I believe God is also a political being. Um, he's our king. <laughs> so his title um, holds reference to governance. And where we talk about governance, we also have politics. And it might be helpful if I define politics, um, yeah. at least from my perspective, for, for the listeners. Yes. Um, I define politics as the competition for and exercise of power that is necessary for the management of resources and the creation of order without which human beings cannot survive and thrive. Now, I know that's a, it's a bit of a mouthful, but the key aspects of that definition is the management or the management of resources and the creation of order without which human beings cannot survive and thrive. And to manage those resources, um, to create that order, certain persons need power. And the beauty of a democracy is that we as human beings, the citizens of a society, compete for that power, firstly, um, in a peaceful way, through the vote. And secondly, those in charge, if I may use those terms, um, exercise that power according to established rules. Um, and in our democracy, when we talk about those established rules, we look first to the Bill of Rights and around that South Africa's constitution. Um, so just a note there on, on why I believe in democracy and why, why I'd like to see more Christians um, believing in and supporting mm. democracy. Precisely. But, um, I've gone off on, on a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> <laughs> the point is politics is inescapable. Uh, we're political beings. I believe God is a political being. He's our, as Christians, he's our sovereign. He's our ultimate sovereign. And we can't separate that reality from politics and our political engagement. Um, I think following on from that, principle two becomes quite self-evident then if you accept principle one. Um, you know, if politics is inescapable and we're political beings, then the church is not just a spiritual body, but it's also a political body. And I really appreciate what theologian Richard Newhouse said he said the first political task of the church is to be the church. I really enjoy that quote. Yes. And what he means is that where we apply God's word, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, we inevitably are going to have an impact on politics. Um, we're going to have an impact on the politics of the, of the society in which we live as long as we as the church abide by God's commands. Um, and there are several scriptures um, in, in the Bible that, at least according to my understanding, if they don't encourage uh, Christian political engagement, they in the very least allow for that um, kind of engagement. And one example is 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 2, you know, where we're instructed to pray for those in authority. We read in Jeremiah 29, verse 7, for example, uh, that we are to seek the welfare of the city. And I think we do that a lot more effectively when we are willing to engage the political space. May I carry on? 
<laughs> you know, I'm listening to the, yes, yes, we're listening with the bated air breath. You know, um, it is so important of what you are saying, Craig. And uh, it reminds me, I, I often uh, watch the debate on CNN, that's in the United States now, uh, about uh, the uh, uh, the base, the voters' base of Donald Trump, uh, and mm. contrasted with the incumbent Joe Biden, and uh, we've got much the same situation at the moment here in South Africa. How would you say would some of these principles? Uh, uh, apply in our situation. I just read in the news earlier on, and I'll have it in the five o'clock bulletin again, that young people saying they are not very eager to uh, participate in the democratic process of the upcoming Mm. election. Um, Mm. How can the body of Christ, honoring God, as you said so eloquently just now, um, contribute to the fact to draw more people to our responsibility mm. to go to the voter station? Well, Joanna, an important question. And again, I think it's important that the church just be the church. Um, so, for example, when we talk about discipleship, we have to ask when discipleship happens within the church, Yeah. does, does that process or that activity or this lifestyle, does it steer clear of politics? Or does it incorporate politics into all that God commanded? You know, we read in the Great Commission, Jesus told his, his disciples, go and disciple the nations, teaching them all that I've commanded you. So within local churches, are leaders instructing their congregants on how to navigate the political space in a way that honors God and in a way that honors our neighbors? Yeah. So I think if, if discipleship focuses on this potentially, it has to be done very skillfully. It has to be done with wisdom. It has to be done according to God's word. But I think if it is done, you're certainly going to have the youth within churches more and more engaging the political space, and that includes voting come election time. Um, but I think there's also something to be said about South Africa's youth more widely, not just those within the church, but also outside of the church. I think many of our youth and potentially also many of South Africa's adults um, have made the mistake of confusing our democratic processes with the failure to elect democratic leaders. Um, so we, we mustn't confuse democracy with the failure to elect to power democratic yeah. leaders. Yeah. And I'm very careful to steer clear of party names, but I I don't think we can escape the reality that South Africa is in trouble um, to a large degree because of the quality of our governance. So when we go out and vote, I say we, all South Africans, but also Christians, what we need to look for, um, certainly as Christians, is leaders who live lifestyles, and if there's proof of, of this this lifestyle that align with scripture. Yeah. So what we want is leaders who are, uh, who have character, who live values based lives, lives, and who are also competent. They have experience and they're qualified. Um, and I think the more we get that right, the more democracy is going to work in our favor as citizens. But if there's, if there's one thing I need to share with South Africa's youth Please let us not make the mistake 
of confusing democratic processes, including elections, with the failure to put democratic leaders in power. So important what you are saying right now for our upcoming election, they say probably in May. Another principle you uh, do uh, uh, underline is it's so important, engage prayerfully according to the leading of the Holy Spirit and according to the holistic reading of Scripture. Give us more insight into that principle. Mm. Well, you want, let me use myself an example, as an example, and I'm going to be transparent with you and, and with the listeners. Um, I could probably only, and, and I won't do this, even if I, I had the, the answer, um, I couldn't tell you now who I'm going to vote for. I could probably do it if someone put a gun to my head. <laughs> yeah. But the reason is, for me personally, I could probably count on one hand um, potential political parties that I could vote for. Now, what I need to do next, having those party names in mind, I have to go and do some reading and some research. And that information I believe is readily available on the internet. We could start with party manifestos, for example. But even having done that research and reading, I might not yet know who exactly to vote for. And this is why principle number four, I I write about engaging politics that includes voting prayerfully. So we need to compare um, and also talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit and according to the reading of Scripture – So we need to compare what we see on um, political party manifestos. What policy does this party have in mind? Where do they want to take South Africa? Or rather, how do they want to take South Africa to that place, to that destination? And how does that how, or how does that method, that method of governance, how do those policies align with Scripture, if at all? Now, where there is a substantial degree of alignment, let's say we tick that box and we're happy, we have to consider, as I said a moment ago, who the leaders are. Now, we might not know, um, might not have um, access to enough information or knowledge to know um, much about any given leader. And I think this is where prayer is also very important. Um, We can't enter this process, we can't engage this process on our own relying entirely on our own logic and our own rationale, as important as those things are. But we also have to do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. I want to ask you another question quickly. Uh, Church-state separation doesn't mean the church Mm. and the state have no relations or involvement with one another. What is our calling? Mm. Well, Johan, there's a lot of confusion around this notion of church-state separation. Too much confusion for us to resolve all of it in the time that in in the allotted time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the, the the key word that you use there is calling. A different word we could use is function. We need to, as a church, need to understand what is the, our function as a church and what is the responsibility and function of the state. That is what the separation, I believe, refers to as two different functions. And if you're going to ask me, well, what is our responsibility or function as a church? We find it in Matthew 28 when we read the Great Commission. I alluded to it earlier on. Our responsibility is to extend the kingdom of God. And what exactly that means also needs to be explained. But it really is to share the gospel, 
to bring people into the body of Christ and to introduce them to Jesus so that they may live a life um, worthy of, of his calling. The responsibility of the state, on the other hand, um, is, you know, if we um, go through uh, Romans, for example, um, you know, we read about the state existing in, in these terms to punish the evildoer. Um, now, with time and increasingly, um, the state has come to take on more responsibility than what God has mandated it through his word. And I think we can understand why this is the case. Um, and maybe if I could add to that, one of the things we as Christians need to look out for when we consider the policies of the respective parties is which of these policies recognize human potential and the need to take advantage in a good way of human innovation and creativity. That innova- The innovation and creativity that every human being has to different degrees and in different respects, um, I believe, becomes stunted the more we look to the state for sustenance and for survival. And along, along with that, as, as we do that more and more, the state potentially becomes an idol. Um, and I'm talking specifically here to Christians um, who, who would understand what I'm saying here because of Scripture. I don't, expect, I don't think we should expect non-believers to um, you know, have the same revelation and to live in, in the same way because um, they're living according to a different blueprint, if I may put it that way. Craig Bailey, thank you so much for your perspective this afternoon. May I ask you to conclude in a short prayer for us, the church, and the upcoming elections in our country across all barriers, please? Do you want? Absolutely. What a privilege. Thank you. Uh, Lord, we, um, we come before you. I pray that we come before you in reverence. Yes, with an understanding of how important the upcoming elections are, possibly the most important since our first democratic elections in 94. Lord, we recognize, we appreciate, I pray, that importance. But at the same time, we recognize and acknowledge something, someone of so much greater importance. We recognize you, our heavenly king. I want to pray for your bride here in South Africa, as this country prepares for the upcoming elections. Lord, I pray that your church would be engaged, would be politically active, but in the right way, in a way that honors you, Father, that glorifies your name, that extends love, compassion, and friendship to our neighbors, Christian and non-Christian alike. Lord, we pray for growing revelation and understanding of what it looks like for the church to engage politics in a way that glorifies you, that honors you, that respects your creation. Lord, we pray for our leaders, um, those who are competing for political power. May your conviction rest upon them in Jesus' name. We pray for the IEC as it prepares the many logistics that it must undergo for the elections to run smoothly without incident. Lord, we pray for your hand upon the elections day, that everything would go without incident. We pray for peace. We speak against violence in Jesus' name. Above all, Father, I want to pray that we as Christians would vote in a way that honors you according to Scripture with an understanding of 
what our collective vote could mean, that it would affect the next five years and the years after that, not just for us, but for future generations. Lord, would you give us insight and revelation of the importance of this moment, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen to that, Craig Bailey. What a privilege and an honor to have you on air this afternoon. God bless to you, Thanks, sir. Thanks, Thank you. You too. And the listeners, bye-bye.